The Retro Lounge is a look back into the archives of the Recruiters Lounge podcast with Jim Stroud and Karen Matinen. The Recruiters Lounge podcast posted weekly between the years of 2005 and 2010. With energy, wit, and opposite points of view, <laughs> Jim Stroud and Karen Madden discussed, debated, and squabbled like children over HR issues that affected the workplace and society overall for the benefit of all who would listen. Back on April 17th, 2007, the Recruiters Lounge podcast aired this episode, which is entitled, I say as I stall, there it is. Podcast, Google Spam and Employee Liabilities, oh my. This is the description. Jim Stroud and Karen Madden discuss the pending brain drain at Google, recruiters spamming candidates and the liabilities an employee represents to a company. And oh, Jim Stroud tries to sing again. Please make him stop. <laughs> Stay tuned and you hear what we discussed way back on April 17th, 2007. Right after this. Recruitment marketing, as compared to maybe employer branding, is all about getting your message and your story in front of the right audience. It's a lot to manage. And what Practic Talent does for our clients is we help centralize so you have one partner, one vendor to help you manage all those relationships. And not only that, we help you track the effectiveness of every media dollar you spend on hiring so that you know in real time that you're getting the greatest ROI for your marketing investment to attract great talent into your company. We help our clients with recruitment marketing in a couple ways. One is in recruitment marketing strategy. And with that, we really take the time to help you build the right strategy. And then we get mutual approval on that strategy before you spend a single dime. The other way we do this is through our agency of record service. This is a partnership with you where we're able to reach out to publishers on your behalf to negotiate better pricing, to execute on media campaigns, uh, and really act as an extension of your team. Some of the benefits that our clients have seen working with Practic Talents Recruitment Marketing Services is an overall reduction of 30% cost per applicant. That's really significant. It's showing that we're able to leverage great technology, programmatic, and we're also flexible and scalable. We're platform agnostic. We're always going to use whatever the greatest and latest technology is, whatever the best platforms are to help create efficiencies in your media purchasing so that you're always on the cutting edge. For more information on Proactive Talent, visit them online at proactivetalent.com or click the link in the podcast description. Radio, radio, radio Innovative audio on demand. Hi. I'm Jim Stroud. Welcome to the Recruiter's Lounge. The Recruiter's Lounge is a podcast of news, interviews, and commentary on the recruiting industry. And it was designed with you in mind. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the Recruiter's Lounge. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another exciting episode of the Recruiter's Lounge. But first... A word from our sponsor. Bounty Jobs. The new frontier of recruiting is a friend to recruiters and employers alike. As an online marketplace, Bounty Jobs helps employers find talent effectively, faster, and without bruising the bottom line. 
for recruiters. It's a way to alleviate business development hassles while earning more money and building your reputation at the same time. Now, I like Bounty Jobs because it is easy to use, delivers top clientele with no upfront fees to use its service. Simply put, when a placement is made, a modest percentage of the fee goes to Bounty Jobs with the majority of the fees going to you, the recruiter. It's the kind of win-win deal that is hard to walk away from, but hey, see for yourself. Find Bounty Jobs online at www.bountyjobs.com. That's www.b-o-u-n-t-y-j-o-b-s.com. Welcome to Jobs and Pods, the audio job board. I'm your host, Chris Russell. So during the Tuesday through Friday, our county execs are out uh, in the field. What's your opinion on the state of the industry right now as a whole? And uh, to you, is it still an exciting field to work in? Sure, um, I, I, I definitely think it's an exciting field to work in, and always will be. Okay, what kind of candidates impress you overall? Well, I think the, the two biggest things is curiosity and the desire to continue to learn. Hmm. Podcast your jobs. Attract quality candidates and give your company a voice in the job market with Jobs in Pods. Find them online at www.jobsinpods.com. That's www.jobsinpods.com. Jobs in Pods. When you contact Jobs in Pods, mention my name, Jim Stroud, and receive a special buy one, get one free offer. It's my gift to you, my loyal listeners. Hello, welcome to another action-packed power punch field episode of the Recruiter's Lounge. I'm your host, Jim Stroud, and with me in the lounge chair, looking so lovely, as always, is Karen Madden. How are you, Karen? Hiya, Jim. How you doing? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I was um, sort of flipping through the blogosphere. You know, I'm the avid reader. And I came across this article that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, You've heard of a little search engine called Google, have you not? Absolutely. Well, do you know that uh, less than three years after going public, Google is confronting one of the more confounding consequences of its phenomenal success, which is a potential brain drain of its earliest and richest employees. Uh, they're about to, what all that means is that hundreds of the, I don't know, 2,300 Googlers hired before uh, they went public, mm-hmm. um, before the initial IPO, rather, um, they had to wait so long before they can vest. Okay. And that vesting period is coming up very, very soon. Okay. And which means that collectively all of these Googlers who were vested or who will be able to vest their options um, we'll have a collective work worth of about mm, $2.6 billion okay. before taxes. Okay. And so the collective wisdom by many and, and, and mine as well is that once the check clears and they're sudden like super-duper millionaires, okay. who's going to want to stick around? Well, I wouldn't. <laughs> a lot of them wouldn't. I'll start my own Google. <laughs> Thank you. So I, was, and I, I saw this in, uh, I think it was in the... Uh, San Jose Mercury, if that's, I think that's the newspaper I saw in it. You know, but then again, can I come back with something on that, though? Yeah, go ahead. Now, we know there's another large corporation, okay, mm-hmm. uh, the competitor of Google. Right. There's a lot of people who stayed around. That's true. That's true. They stayed around for a while, or they went and well, – my, my thinking is that I'm wondering is either – I'm sure there would be some group, and there are some people that I read in this article that have already elected to just, to just leave and mm-hmm. just sort of chill out for a while, and who can blame them? Uh, but I imagine there'll be quite a few people who uh, will leave. I know it's just a major concern 
uh, of Google's, and I imagine what uh, a lot of them will just uh, maybe start their own startups. You know, and one of the things I think of, though, is the people who win the lottery. I've always got to play the devil's advocate. You know me. <laughs> All right, but you know all those people who won the lottery. What do they say? It's like, I mean, like 90% become broke within six years. That's, that's because... Uh, Give somebody a lot of money doesn't mean you change overnight their financial practices. And actually, they say that you exaggerate the personality you have. So whatever personality you had before you won the money, you will exaggerate it and exaggerate it. So if you were pretty much a person who spent a lot of money, you'll end up doing that anyways, hmm. even though you have good intent. So maybe these people will get it and spend it like crazy and still not have to come back and get work. Sort of like that Beverly Hills Billy uh, yeah. effect. Even though they had money, uh, you could see how country they were when they had money. Um, they were country before, but if you saw when, when they had money, you really saw how country they were. As they say, uh, you can take the person. You could take the girl out of the country, but you can't, and put her in the city, but you can't take the country out of her. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Which is interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering. Um, I'm just sort of curious. I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be a lot more startups coming from these employees, or. They may go off and do other things, but they may just sit around and, and do nothing for a while. Mm, that would be an interesting thing to see, too, especially with the fact that there's so little employment. I mean, there's so few employees out there. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, I wonder how they're going to combat that. Sort of fun, sort of interesting to watch how it's going to affect the uh, stock market price on the company, too, when that happens. Yeah, cause, oh, yeah, because people will be cashing out. Yeah. And that would it, be interesting. And then when you have brain, a significant number of brain power potentially out the door around the same time, oh. that's got to give you some cold shivers up and down your spine. Oh, that does make you wonder what's going to happen, too. I mean, there's, there's so many different parallels from this, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Real interesting. Real interesting. Um, so I was checking my email mm-hmm. the other day, and um, somebody sent me, an email that wasn't quite matching my job skills. And, and I was telling you about it, and, and I think 30 minutes later, you took a breath. <laughs> I hate spam. I cannot spam spam. And, and uh, you know, I said, you know what, since you're going on this, this spam tirade, I know you were having some issues um, yourself uh, over some spam. People, um, I guess, think using your name in vain and um, setting you up for, for uh, some spam fraud. Okay, I mean, I almost lost my account because of this jerk, whoever's mm. doing it, because my ISP thinks it's being done on purpose. Somebody's using my domain name, which is against the law, thank you, and they were sending out massive spam using my domain name to other individuals. Well, the only reason I became aware of it was because of the bounce back. Mm. And I was getting like 100 bounce backs a day for about a while there, okay? And my ISP had to go, Yahoo, had to go in and double-check and make sure that I wasn't sending that spam personally. And, yeah, it's, yeah, not good. I mean, so right now I took it to the Attorney General here in San Diego, and their crime lab is taking care of it for me. Bad boys, bad boys, what you going to do? What you going to do when they come for you? But there's a problem. What? There's a big problem. What's the big problem? Headers. Okay, these dang headers. Explain headers to people who who are going, what? What's a header? What are you talking about? Well, the header is the way that you can find out who your unique ID is on your computer. I can make up any kind of email address, and I can also make up any type of email return address, okay? I can send an email to you, Jim Stroud, 
and say it's coming from the White House. And it could actually even bounce back to the White House. All you hmm. got to do is just type in the email address that you want it to return to, okay? I see how that can be a concern to the average consumer, but for our recruiting audience, I mean, what does it matter about spam? I know uh, you shouldn't spam. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially people like me, because I get me. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, though, because I know a lot of recruiters uh, send out uh, emails. I mean, they may get a bunch of um, applicants or not applicants, but prospects, I guess maybe the best word to use or people they find online and say, hey, you know, um, I'm John Doe Recruiter. I saw your information online. You seem like somebody who may be a good fit for this um, for this potential job that I'm trying to fill. Mm-hmm. And send them an email. I mean, it's unsolicited. And they may have found, you know, two or three, maybe four other people um, uh, who may be a potential fit for this job. And he, he decided to send them all an email at, at one point, mm-hmm. um, maybe even on the same time, but just, you know, blind copied them all so no mm-hmm. one would see. Would that be against the law? I mean, recruiters do that all the time. That's not against the law, right? Well, it, it is. It really depends on how you got it. I mean, if you harvested those email addresses off the internet, that could be a problem. Okay, so if you're taking them, or if you're sending out these email addresses to a company using something called a dictionary random way to do it, okay, mm-hmm. that's a problem too. If this person said sent you an opt or they're in your opt in list or they sent you an email or you found this one person and you saw their email address out there and you're not harvesting this information and you just clicked on the link and sent them this email, then as long as you have your information in there to say, Hey, I'm you can opt out. I don't if you don't want me to send you any more emails, that's fine too. Okay. Okay, hold on. Take a step back because you, you you lost somebody when you said harvesting. Explain the harvesting. Harvesting is going on to say company directories or going into websites or let's go to LinkedIn and finding email addresses addresses and then getting them and harvesting them. Which means just think of the word harvesting. You're you're picking them up and putting them into a, your own directory. Okay. And so that means you're creating a directory. Now, if you ever looked at the privacy disclaimers on every website, okay, especially because of California, which is now a federal law, because it now reaches so many different uh, countries even, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, just because if you're a resident in California, you have the right to be able to know where your information is being going, is going okay? Yeah. So that means every, pretty much every site Every website, no matter what country you're in, if you're collecting information of a California resident, an information could be a name or a telephone number or an email address, you have to put a disclaimer on your website. Okay? So that's pretty much why every website has this. I think it's called the OPA law. Okay. OPA law. Wait a minute. So, every, so every you talking about not every website, but like every company or corporate website. Every website that collects information. Okay. So if say Monster, for example, they're collecting information. People putting their resumes in. You dang right, Monster. I, you can talk about Electronic Recruiter um, Exchange. You can talk about Google. You can use LinkedIn. So any website that collects some kind of um, information as far as contact information, mm-hmm. they, by, is this, this is by law or this is just by California law? This is because because you're collecting a California law, but you're living in Georgia or New York and your website's out there, it now becomes federal. It has a long arm. It could even affect people in England. So what if I have a uh, career section on my on my corporate website asking people to apply for uh, you know sanitation worker one or something? Um, I have to put on my corporate website that um, 
that's kind of uh, some kind of um, mention or disclaimer saying that this information that I'm collecting from you is for the purposes of, of filling these jobs and will not be resold to some other party or something like that? Yes, you have to put some sort of disclaimer of what you're going to do with that information, how the information, um, the information is being handled, and if you were going to submit the information to a third party, what, how, and how that goes down. But I know I know there are a lot of companies that don't have that kind of uh, <laughs> disclaimer on their site. There's some who do, but I know there are quite a few who do not. So, so the way that California has stated on their, it's called the Online Pro, Online Privacy Protection Act, okay, right. and it's OPA. And the way the California czars are handling this, okay, is that they'll if they come across your site and they don't see that you have it, they'll send you a warning. All right. And if they give you a warning, then they spot it. And if you don't fix it, then you're in trouble. All right, so basically people are listening to this and saying, okay, until I'm busted or caught. I don't suggest doing that because okay. that's just California because now if you've got to consider there's 50 other states and all 50 other states are implementing their own privacy laws too. So should the person just sort of look up what the privacy law is for their particular state before jumping on the OPA bandwagon? I would say that almost every state, I mean, I would say that every company has a website should just probably consider doing it. Mm. Because you never know what other states are going to do or what they are. I mean, there the federal, you got to remember, too, the federal uh, act came out, and they changed, too, with their own privacy act, too. So these acts change so fast, so rapidly, so quickly. It's just a good idea to basically just say, look, I'm going to put it out there, rather than having to deal with the mess. And then you'll be on a radar. Do you want to be on somebody's radar? No. Exactly. No. So, you know, I know, I remember reading, too, when Google hadn't done the change, and then they made that change, too. But if you notice, every website that's pretty popular, even Google, they all have a web a link that says you're how we handle your privacy information. And then also, if you go to, like, for example, Verizon's Yellow Pages, it tells you straight up you cannot collect this information or harvest it. Hmm. And so people kind of omit or oh, going like one person was just talking recently. I went, I called up this company to ask for a director, and they said, "Well, the director's from members only." Right. So she managed to be able to get into this directory somehow subserviently. Okay, I think mm -hmm. she slipped into it. Right. It, it obviously had a hole in there. What does it call that? That. In the FTP server yeah, or, or intranet or. Yeah, the FTP server. Right. So they had a, obviously, and so she said, "Well, oh, I got the whole directory." And I'm thinking, "Well, did you read the privacy thing that in there that in this because you know you go in there, you got it, and you got all these email addresses, but there's going to be a disclaimer that says in there in writing you can't use this information unless you're a member. So legally, they should not be able to use that information, or uh, it's not a said anything. <laughs> one, one of the two. I wouldn't know. Yeah, it depends on where they're on where they are in in that regard. Well, also, well, if you look at the disclaimers, they will say how you can use the information, mm -hmm. what should be done with the information. Like let's lose LinkedIn. All right. LinkedIn says, look, do not you're as a member, you're not going to call the people. You know, you don't just because you know somebody is working at ABC company, it doesn't give you the right to now pick up the phone and call them. The only way you're supposed to go ahead and get contact with them is through your referral list. Hmm. So if I am connected to you and you're connected to this other person who's connected to another person who knows that person I want to meet, then I'm supposed to ask if you will please introduce me down the chain, okay? That's the food chain there. All right. And LinkedIn has very strong rules about that. And if you don't follow them and they find out, you can get kicked off of LinkedIn. Sure. 
But, you know, so not, and it kind of goes beyond that, too, because it's not just a little thing. Like, for example, this woman going into the FTP server, what she might have wanted to do is to let people know, hey, you're in this FTP server. I, you got a hole in your FTP server, Mr. Company, and you might want to be aware of it. I came into here by accident and just left. But what they don't realize is that now someone has been able to trace their IP number to see that they were on that FTP server, that they were in there, and how long they were in there, and what they did while they were in there. Interesting. And so it's not always a great idea to flip a site. Well, let me uh, let me backtrack a little bit because we sort of got away from the initial uh, from a point we were talking about earlier. We're talking about spam. Yeah. Well, that's just kind of spam. Well, yeah. Because yeah. what this person's going to do is harvest this information mm-hmm. and then send out emails. Now, here's the problem. Okay. We're going to go back to what we were talking about. Like yeah. Now, well, can, well, can, can we? Yeah. Let me just make it, maybe to uh, make make a little bit more clear for people who may have. Okay. Um, uh, just tuned in, so to speak. Uh, if a recruiter grabs a bunch of emails from whatever reason, or I mean for, from whatever resource, and they just start sending out emails to, to other people, and they say, uh, I am John Doe at Company X, mm-hmm. or this is um, Jobs at Company X, they're not, get, they're not doing anything wrong or getting, getting in trouble, right? Not, well, the, not as long as they have in their email uh, opt-out address, their website, their information, and their actual physical email address to get opt-out or opt-out address, and they abide by it. Okay. And they also, I believe you have to put your phone, your telephone number as well in there. So you have opt-out disclaimer. Oh, an opt-out. Now, I have seen where people have emailed me positions, and they have, you know, um, click here if you want to unsubscribe or not be contacted Correct. again. So someone, just for the sake of, of clarity, if I am sending emails out mm-hmm. to people, uh, advertising a particular position, mm-hmm. in each email, I have to put down at the bottom, um, if you want to not no longer receive email from me or any job opportunities, click here and I'll take your name off the list. Correct. And that will keep me out of trouble. Now, here's the problem. Like what I get, there's a particular group, company, and mm. these guys, I have asked them to remove me from their list, okay? Right. And I have got spam filters out of the Wahoo to try to get, re- get rid of these guys, okay? Right. So, but the thing is, they... They tend to change their email address all the time, so my spam filters can't collect it. For example, they'll call themselves abc.com, mm-hmm. um, .com, or they'll say abcs or abc inc, or they're abc inc. We know mm-hmm. they'll change it every so often. Right. And they try to pretend they're not the same people. I know they're the same people, coming back to what we were talking in regards to headers, because when I click the header, I see the IP number. Aha. Uh-huh. So there's your <laughs> identifiable number that says, I know where you're coming from. I know exactly who your host is. I know who's handling your domain name. I know everything about you. I know it's you, and you can't disguise this. You can try changing your email address or your name as many times as you want, but I know that this is the same company. Because it's all coming from the same IP address. Well, IP addresses. It's kind of like, well, see, for example, this company may have seven or eight different recruiters. Right. But the act, and, and they may all have their own. Uh, your computer is going to have your own den- identifiable number, okay? Right, which is coming from the same server, which is probably in the building. Right, and then what? But the main aspect is the host, because their actual host domain is. For me, for example, let's say I own a company called um, Micron Microbus Microbus dot com, okay? Right. My and that's my website. Yep. Well, I may have emails coming from Info, Sarah, Jane, June, Michael, whatever, at Microba. 
and or I might say Metro Bus, or I might just put a different or NBC. Okay. Mhm. But the main issue is is that the real host is Metro Bus. That's the place. That's the purse. That's where the company email is generated from. Hmm. Let me give you an example. I own a comp. I'm going to give you a real life example. All right. I own a company called Recruiting Standards Resources. Yep. Which allows me to have over a hundred email addresses. Yep. But if anybody were to ever now, if I use all one hundred email addresses, mm-hmm. you can see that Recruiting Standard Resources is the actual place it originated from. So that's the main focus. That's the one thing you cannot spoof or should not spoof. You, I mean, there are people who, like, for example, my situation, I'm having a hard time finding out who originated the email because they're lying. Not only are you using my information and my header, but then they're routing it from one mail server to another mail server to another mail server to a one in Russia, which is now hiding all this information. Mm-hmm. And they've managed to remove the IP information as well. Hmm. But with the wonderful feds that are the government behind it, then they could go to Russia to go back, and so they can do backwards if they needed to. Sure. So it's a matter of jurisdiction. Okay. So I go back. I go back to my song, "Bad Boys, Bad Boys." Yeah. What you gonna do? <laughs> exactly. So in regards to spam, I mean. But I think, you know, one of the emails that we got, there was an argument just recently on a blog that said, well, they were talking about somebody had a different from address than the actual physical name. And they were saying, well, that's against the Can Spam Act because it's the, you know, the, that, the headers are wrong. But that's not actually what headers are. The headers itself is when you click properties in your email, that's the header. What's the real identifiable information and where is the domain name coming from? That's a recent post? Mm-hmm. Send me the link so I can check that out. Okay, we'll do. All right, you know what? I have uh, you have been rubbing off on me in, in, in a positive way. <laughs> let me let me say that. Oh Because you know I was. There goes your popularity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I was really I, I went to a different site. I went to Law. dot com, and you know I, I, that's, that's usually that's usually your stick, but I was on Law. dot com the other day. Oh my gosh! I know, I know, scary, 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 and I and I saw this article. And I actually posted it on my blog um, not too long ago. Uh, it's called Understanding How Employers Can Be Held Liable Under Criminal Law. Uh-huh. And this stuck in my mind. Let me read this to you, and I'm going to tell you what, what made me think about it. All right, this, this is just the first couple of paragraphs. It's uh, from law.com. And I guess I'll put a link to it uh, on this podcast, uh, on the blog post this podcast is on. Where it says, uh, most employment lawyers have a basic understanding of the Sarbanes-Oxley Act of 2002 and its corporate responsibility program requirements. Few, however, know about the federal sentencing guidelines and related requirements for ethics and compliance programs. Your favorite words. Mm-hmm. The price of that ignorance can be high. Just as an organization can be held civilly liable for harassment by low-level supervisors, it can also be held criminally responsible for acts committed by employees acting within the scope of their duties when the acts were intended in part to benefit the employer. Now, when I read that, you know who popped in my head? Your favorite guy, I am a... For those who have uh, had their head in the ground for the past uh, couple of days... Don't use the words. <laughs> Just don't use the words. I'm a said some... Uh, he's a, well, I'm a, is a, a shock jock. You know what? Even though he's known by a lot of people, he probably is known by a whole lot more people because of this, this whole controversy. Mm-hmm. Because I've, I've heard of his name before, but I never listened to him, and I totally didn't even know he was still on the air until I heard about all this. Mm-hmm. Well, he, as you know, uh, and for the benefit who don't know... 
um, from our friends overseas. Imus is a shock jockey, is a radio DJ, mm-hmm. who says shocking and controversial things just to get people to call in and yell at him, <laughs> which just seems to be my understanding of what he does. Well, he said some things um, about some African-American basketball-playing women that were um, considered highly derogatory and offensive, and long story short, he got fired. And it's been a big controversy about his departure. Some people have debated that it, it's um, sort of a slap in the face of free speech because, you know, in America you should be able to say whatever you want. Uh, some people are saying he should have been fired a long time ago because this, because Imus has said a lot of offensive things um, over time. But this, I guess, was the last thing that he was able to get away with. And then it also I've heard debate, people talk about not only Imus, but people like uh, Bill Maher who uh, has slammed Christians um, in uh, some of his uh, TV dialogues on his show, Politically Incorrect. There have also been other shock jocks that have said things. Um, some get a slap on the wrist, some get fired, as in Hymas's case. And it's just, it's just a big controversy. But I say all that to say is that um, I didn't know, well, I sort of knew, but I didn't know how liable a company can be for a lawsuit when their employee does something stupid. Mm. You know, I, I can see if an employee is stealing money from a customer, and that's just common sense that the person gets fired and brought up on charges, that kind of thing. Um, if it's fraud or stealing money or something like that. But if someone says something, um, or does something, or does something, and they're not quote on the company dime, on the company time, mm-hmm. that company can still be brought up on charges and sued here in America. And I thought that was kind of weird. And I told you, when I was talking to you about that, you brought it to my attention. Uh, Absolutely. Let's go back more into that, because I find that really strange that if if I work for Company X and I'm not on the company property, I'm not at a company event, I'm not discussing a company matter in any shape, form, or, or fashion, I can. The company can still be sued for something that I've done. Is that yeah, true? That's getting into some something subjective. I think you use that word, okay? Okay. It's it's going to depend on how you're representing the company, and that's the buzzword here, okay? Mm-hmm. Representing. If you are representing the company publicly, and you are stating that you're a representative of that company in such manner, then yes, the company could be held liable for your actions. If you, for example, let's just use the word, um, let's say I was a CEO of Trump Towers. Yep. And I start blogging, okay, and mm-hmm. I'm repre- and I'm stating that we believe at Trump Towers or I believe, you know, or, or something, making a comment as a representative of Trump Towers. Sorry, Mr. Trump, okay, but I'm just giving an example, okay? Mm-hmm. But you're saying that you are, as a representative of Trump Towers, believe that XYZ company did this, 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 and this. You're discussing it as basically an employee of that company, and you're giving out information that may not be want to be public as well, and obviously you can be held liable for that. Well, if you're giving away the secret sauce, yeah, I can, I can sort of just, see that. I'm not the secret sauce. I mean, you're t- let's, say, let's say that I was working at um, ABC Company, and we don't like XYZ Company. Right. And we start slamming XYZ. Yep. I mean, we start really get or let's even go better than this. Let's say I was at my, as a recruiter, I, I'm sitting down here on my computer, in my home, okay, and I'm representing my company, and I start spamming out all these candidates. We're talking about spam verbally, and I'm doing it from my home computer. Okay, my computer is still held liable, even though I'm 
doing it from my own home as well. Or even better, mm, that's another one. Mm. I'm at home. Yeah. My computer gets stolen from my laptop on my ho- at home. My company is going to be held liable because my laptop got stolen. Well, I can sort of see that in this in, in the light of um, I think it was a recent article I read where somebody uh, there was some information on a on a series of laptops from the IRS and and, and they got stolen or something like that. Right, and the companies end up firing the people, but they yeah. still have to held li- held on the liability. And another aspect would be HP. You know, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that scandal. Yeah. I mean, these guys were not, they were some of the, the investigators in trouble, even though they were not actually working for HP. But yet, HP also gets in trouble, too, even though they did this from home. They were calling people, they were calling the telephone companies and getting this information, and they were getting information about private individuals that work at HP because they were representing HP. But they were doing it at their own on their own home computer and their own home telephone. This is a very litigious world. It is a very, well, hey, I mean, come on. You're getting my information. I think that's kind of wrong here, you know. But, yeah, I mean, if you're representing the company and people are knowing that you're representing that company and your actions are going to portray the company, then, yeah. But if you just went out and were at a social function and nobody knew you were working for that company, no, it's not going to be the same thing. I don't believe. So, if you, so the lesson here is: if you get drunk at a at a bar, don't scream out your company name. That's a good. <laughs> yeah. It's, as, as always, it's been a pleasure talking Wait, to you. Wait, I want to talk about something. Okay, well, uh, we can. We have to go back to Imus later on. So we yeah. have another conversation about Imus. No, that'd be a whole another show. That'd okay. be a whole another show. Um, but as always, it's always a pleasure talking to you. And anyone who's listening, if you have any questions or comments or any subjects you'd like us to broach or anything of that nature, feel free to uh, give me a uh, drop me an email. You can reach me at Jim Stroud, that's G-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D, at jimstroud.com. So, uh, any last-minute shout-outs, Karen, before we head out the door? That'll be fine for now. And I really enjoyed it, as usual, talking with you. It was good for me, too, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get some coffee now, you know. Uh, I'm gonna get a cigarette. All right. There you go. (laughs) Everyone else, uh, tune in next time uh, for another action field episode of the Recruiters Lounge. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well, that's it for this show. You've been a wonderful audience. If you like what you heard, love what you heard, or (laughs) just plain hate what you just heard, uh, let me know. Your feedback matters. You can reach me through my website at jimstroud.com slash podcast. That's J-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D dot com slash podcast. So until next time, I'm Jim Stroud, and you're not. Radio, radio, radio talent. Innovative audio on demand. And so this ends this edition of the Retro Lounge, home of classic episodes of the Recruiter's Lounge podcast. If you haven't already, uh, subscribe now so you don't miss a future episode. Okay, cool. Until next time, bye-bye. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference. 
All that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.